0: vocations continue to grow as the diaconate program of the diocese moves four men closer to ordination vocations awareness week is november 1st through the 7th with events coming up and do you know what the spiritual and corporal works of mercy are all these topics and more coming up next welcome to a view from the top with
1: bishop gregory parks Bishop of the Diocese of St. Petersburg. A View from the Top is a candid and hopeful conversation on current events that affect our church, our community, and our
0: country. Now, here's Bishop Parks and the General Manager of Spirit FM, John Morris. Good to see you, first of all. Good to be with you, John. I was reading on our website that vocations continue to grow and flourish in our diocese, and we'll start out first with a rite of candidacy for four deacons.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Not only are vocations to the priesthood continuing to prosper and, and show fruit, which is always great news, but also vocations to religious life and to the diaconate, to the permanent diaconate. So those would be men who are either married or unmarried and have discerned that God is calling them to serve him and to serve his church as a deacon, not as a priest. And so um, our diocese just celebrated what's known as the rite of candidacy with four of those men who will actually be ordained next October at the cathedral. The rite of candidacy is when these candidates for ordination are presented formally, and the bishop on behalf of the diocese accepts them formally and publicly as candidates for ordination. So they're kind of in the final stages of their formation. They have one year left. And then hopefully they'll be ordained next October.
0: And isn't that usually like a four-year program? It is. There's a
1: a year of discernment that they undergo, and then several years of actual formation, both academically and spiritually, pastorally, as they prepare for ordination. So yeah, it's a a multi-year process. So it's not something that happens quickly.
0: And typically with this, I would venture to say that it wasn't something that sort of fell out of the sky for them. This is something that's formation portion of it, uh, although we call it, it's a formal formation in the church, but it has probably been, been something that may have been eating at them for a lifetime.
1: No doubt. I mean, vocation to the permanent diaconate is, is very similar to a vocation to priesthood or religious life in the sense that it finds its origin with God and with his will for our lives. So it's not something that we just do because, well, I haven't done that before, and it seems like the next logical thing for me to do in the church. Uh, we do it because God prompts us in in our hearts and in our souls to consider this as a possibility of how he's calling us to serve his church and to serve his people. So again, it's, it's similar in that it requires lots of prayer and discernment. Uh, even spiritual direction with a with a priest or a trained spiritual direction to discern whether or not this is God's will for, for one's life.
0: And obviously some conversations with the wife.
1: <laughs> That's true, John. Uh, it's a major decision, as you can imagine, it's obviously, if you're married, because it involves not only you, but also your spouse as well as your children. So it's a commitment both of time and of ministry to the church. So it is something that needs to be discerned, not solely on your own, but with your spouse and with your family as well. And that takes time to do, so it's not. We, we give them plenty of time to discern that, and then we assist them and help them along that way to hopefully coming to the realization that this is God's will, that it's just not of human origin, but that God is inviting this particular man to serve Him as an ordained deacon.
0: Now, when they're ordained, oftentimes and probably most of the time, they're after their ordination, they're assigned to a parish to do parish work, even though they might have a full-time job doing whatever it might be
1: that's true uh just like priests when they're ordained receive an assignment after ordination to begin their ministry so it is with our our permanent deacons as well and something that we always remind them is uh, as with priests is that they're not ordained for a particular parish or for a particular ministry in the diocese they're ordained for service in the diocese of St Petersburg meaning that they could be asked to serve as a deacon at a parish which is not their home parish because there might be a need there so they need to understand that and be willing to to make that commitment that the bishop might ask him to take an assignment that they weren't expecting
0: i know that many times women want to serve in the church. And they have that opportunity by maybe uh, joining a faith community, maybe a religious order. And I I saw an article recently that said the average age of women going in and growing uh, across the country is, I think it was in the 30s or something like that. So the numbers of women and young ladies going into the religious life is growing.
1: And that's great news, isn't it? You know, to see that, that change, that reversal in trend. I, I think I saw the same article that you're referring to and, and I, I believe it said that the average age of women entering religious life today is now like twenty four. Yeah. Whereas just a short number of years ago it was actually I think in the forties. Right. So um so it's been a, a huge change in that way. You know, women like men are seeking to do God's will. And if that is for them to serve God as a religious, you know, then then that's the path that they should follow to find happiness and fulfillment in their life and to and to follow the Lord's will. So there's a whole variety of different types of religious communities that somebody can consider or discern entering. And they have different charisms or gifts, things that they focus on, different types of ministry, whether that be teaching or works of charity, prayer. Some religious communities, that's what they do is they pray. They pray for the Holy Father, they pray for the church, they pray for the needs of others, and that's their actual charism and their gift that they have.
0: Can you imagine what the church would be like today if we had the same number of religious sisters that we had back in the, the 1930s and 40s? I mean, it would change the whole outlook of the church. It, it sure would. And
1: again, I mean, the, the, the trends are kind of reversing. So who knows? I'm not saying we're going to get back to those numbers, right. but...
0: We may. We'll see what God's will is. Yeah, I mean, I know that my mom, who went to a Catholic school, still reflects on the times when, you know, all the the sisters— they were all they were all sisters that taught. It was it was rare that you had a a, a lay person in the classroom.
1: True, I am thinking back to my own elementary school education at Saint Rose of Lima Catholic School in Massapequa, New York. I would say about half of the teachers at our school were uh, religious, were sisters. They were Amityville Dominicans, okay, and the other half were lay women who who taught in the school. So I have really fond memories of their presence in the classroom and around the school and. You know, John, as a lot of people that went to Catholic school would say, we had a great respect for them. Oh, uh, yeah. And and we listened to them.
0: (laughs) There's the rule. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The ruler. And then, of course, uh, for those in our community here in the Diocese of St. Petersburg, Father Chuck Dornquist, uh, he's the director of our vocations for our diocese, has got a number of, of events, including holy hours. And the next one, I, I think, is October 28th at the cathedral.
1: It is. So we we have a regularly scheduled holy hour at the cathedral. It's usually held on Wednesday evening at 630. We expose the Blessed Sacrament. We pray evening prayer. And it's very beautiful now because we uh, it is chanted. I don't chant very well, John, no, so I probably, voice, he does, thank goodness, because that's not my gift, but he will, uh, he'll be chanting evening prayer. Probably I'll give a short reflection at the one on October 28th as as the bishop, and then we'll have benediction. So we'll bless everyone who's present, either in person or by live stream with the blessed sacrament with the Eucharist.
0: Yeah, and if you want to find out more about priesthood, there, there's other events that are going on, including an event at... St. Timothy, I think it is on November fourth, and then there's one uh, a, a dinner I think coming up. And so, if you want to find out a lot more about the diocese and vocations in general, just go to dosp.org and uh, look for the vocations office, Bishop. I, I recently saw or, or heard these terms: spiritual and corporal works of mercy, and I think it was in one of our. It's going to be in one of our readings upcoming uh, next month, and. When we talk about spiritual works of mercy, what are we talking about?
1: So the spiritual works of mercy have uh, long been a part of our Christian tradition. And um, we know that Jesus, during his ministry, cared for the spiritual needs of those whom he served. And so we as Christians, as baptized followers of Jesus Christ, are called to imitate that by spiritually ministering to those who we encounter in our lives.
0: So... You know, a lot of times people will ask me, can you say a prayer for me? I'm going through a situation, and can you help me through that? And, and you know, you'll stop and you'll you'll say a prayer for them. But the, the spiritual works of mercy kind of break down into different categories. The first one is counseling the doubtful. People sometimes wonder, where is God in my life? Or, or I'm not sure what my direction is.
1: Sure. So again, you mentioned counseling the doubtful. That would be when you encounter somebody in your life who is maybe questioning their faith or questioning God's existence, that we're able to be there for that person and to encourage them, to pray for them, to share our own witness of our faith in God and why we believe in God with them as a means of trying to strengthen them in their journey and in their belief in God. We also um, believe in in instructing or teaching those who are searching or, as the ignorant as we say, admonishing the sinner, comforting the sorrow, forgiving others, bearing our own hurts and wrongs patiently and praying for the living and the dead. These are all ways that we spiritually reach out of ourselves to to try to help somebody else who's in spiritual need.
0: Talk about uh, you know each one of these, instructing those that maybe are looking for some direction. One of the things that I hear my pastor often say, we're looking for volunteers to help with the RCIA program, or we're looking for people to help sponsor somebody. This is a spiritual work of mercy.
1: Sure is, and it, it fits in perfectly with our vision of courageously living the gospel, with being evangelizers, with being missionary disciples, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. And we do that in a lot of ways. We do it within our families, we do it among our friends and co workers. Uh, But we can also engage in ministry at our parishes. There's a number of different catechetical or teaching ministries at the parish. Faith formation, as you mentioned, there's youth ministry, there's RCIA, there's Bible studies. Sure, Any ministry which touches upon the teachings of our church and helps to enlighten and share those with others would be certainly a spiritual work of mercy.
0: And keep in mind, too, when you step out in faith and volunteer to teach, or to guide someone on their faith journey, I promise you will grow in a closer relationship with Christ as well and in your knowledge of the faith. Amen. Admonishing the sinner. That's got to be one of the most difficult ones to try to create or correct someone who you feel has done wrong to you no one wants confrontation unless you're on twitter or something like that but that's a that's a tricky one
1: it is because we know that we never want to be judgmental of others but yet we are called to walk with each other on a path of holiness, a path towards the kingdom. So when we encounter somebody in our lives, whether it's a friend or a family member, who we know is, is erring or is, um, is uh, on a path of destruction, a path that's not good for them, out of spiritual mercy for them, we're called to try to help them and to assist them. and That, they, that may mean sharing with them the truth of our beliefs, what God has taught us, what the Bible says, praying for them, helping them, accompanying them, but hopefully not just assisting them to continue and perpetuate in that lifestyle or whatever issue they may be dealing with. And who among us is perfect? We all have our own flaws, and so it's hard for us to try to correct somebody else, or, but that's yet what we're called to do in humility.
0: And well, I think that's the key thing, too, and not in arrogance like you're a know-it-all. I mean, that's, that's one thing, especially for parents and their kids. I mean, sometimes... You know, the parents do know best for for their children, but there's a sense of I'm better than you because maybe I have a theological degree or I have a certain level of education that you don't have, and therefore I'm right and you're not.
1: Yeah, and so, you know, just remember the words from the gospel according to Matthew where Jesus says, remove the wooden beam from your eye first. Then you will see clearly to remove the splinter from your brother's eye. It's a reminder to us that we need to be right with the Lord and reconciled in our own lives before we start helping others.
0: And let me let me add this too. I have met with I don't have a spiritual director, but I haven't counseled with different clergy in the diocese about situations. And I, I can tell you that is a great gift to be able to talk with someone from the outside about a situation. And our priests in our diocese, without exception that, that I have seen anyway, are really great listeners and can give you that positive feedback, even though they're admonishing you being me for doing something wrong. They say it in such a gentle way that it's you could, you could take that medicine.
1: Yeah, and, that, and that's a good point because whenever we try to help each other uh, if you come off too strong or, or too judgmental, then you're gonna, the other person's going to be closed off. There's going to be a wall that goes up. So you want to be truthful. You want to be honest because you want to help that person. But you also need to speak with them and present it to them in a respectful way and in a way that will make a difference without being closed off.
0: One of the other ones is comforting the sorrowful. Uh, we get prayer requests all the time and phone calls to Spirit FM from listeners who are grieving the loss of someone. And even in your busy day, and I've even encountered this with you, Bishop, if I've said something to you, you'll stop, and and I can tell you're really listening. And that, that goes a long way. Five minutes can make a lifetime of, of difference for somebody.
1: You know, you know, we've all experienced sorrow and difficulty in our lives, and isn't it wonderful to have a spiritual friend or somebody that – that we know really cares about us and is willing to listen to us and hopefully try to understand what we're going through and then is there to support us in terms of even if it's just offering a prayer or a few words of comfort or as you said just listening you know that that's also a gift that we can offer to somebody but we can also assist them in more material ways i'm thinking You know, it's kind of a tradition in our faith and in other different faiths that when somebody passes away, if a family has experienced a loss, you bring them over some food. Right. Right. And and that's a source of comfort to them because that basic thing that they don't have to worry about, you know, it's being provided for them by by somebody who cares for them and wants to help them get through a tough time.
0: A simple note can go a long way. I still keep a note in my drawer that I got, gosh, 20-something years ago from Bishop Larkin. He wrote me a simple on a simple card that just said, John, congratulations. I know you'll do great, Bishop Larkin. I still keep that card. Yeah, It serves as a reminder, and it means a lot.
1: It can certainly mean a lot to somebody, not only today, but in the future, as you said.
0: Forgiving injury, this is the fifth one. We've got to let grudges go, and we've got to communicate, as you said.
1: Yeah, so we, of course, as we, we pray in the Our Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Again, very simple words, but very hard to live by. And um, God forgives us unconditionally when we are sorrowful for our sins and wanting to make amends for them. So we should be with others. And so just as we hurt God through our own sins, others hurt us when they sin against us or offend us in some way. God doesn't hurt, hold on to the ways that we hurt him, and neither should we when others offend us. We should try to let those things go. And if we find it hard to do that, Ask God for the ability, for the grace to let go of
0: those little hurts in our lives. And that leads us to our, our sixth spiritual work of mercy, bearing wrongs patiently. Don't be bitter about that. You know, as you said, pray they are our father and ask God for the patience. And for me, I find just sleeping on the whole situation and don't make a rash decision or move for maybe even a couple of days. Yeah,
1: that's sound. That's very good advice, John. Uh, good wisdom there, John. Very good. <laughs> but uh, no, again, as God is patient with each one of us on our journey, so we should be with others as well. And, and I think the what you said is is very important that, you know, don't always go with your first reaction, you know, because when you sleep on something, when you've had time to think about it, even pray about it, you might take a different approach. And uh, sometimes we can react out of emotion rather than out of charity. And so we should always try to do the latter, and that takes patience to do that. So we should pray, pray to God for the gift of
0: patience. I've even written memos that I have not sent. I've written them and then chewed on it for about a week and then said, you know what, this is not worth it. God will take care of this. And it's always worked out.
1: Yeah, and the same even today as we have talked before about social media. You know, just be careful what you send out because, you know, once you push that send button, it's hard to get it back once it's kind of out there. So, again, take time to to think and, and to pray about what you're saying.
0: And the seventh one is really appropriate because we're coming up on All Saints and All Souls Day praying for the living and the dead. Mass intentions are always good. And in fact, you're going to be celebrating a Mass, I believe it's November 2nd, at Calvary Catholic Cemetery.
1: I will. That's the Feast of All Souls, or All Souls Day, as we call it. And there's a you know long tradition in the church of praying for those that have gone before us, praying for the deceased, offering acts of penance on their behalf, because we entrust them to God, but we also need to continue to pray for them that they may be fully welcomed into God's presence and into his loving and merciful arms. So we can offer sacrifices, we can offer prayers and other acts of charity for those that have gone
0: before us, that they may be with the Lord. I was talking with my children who were in their 20s now at dinner the other night, and I said, you know, I don't know that I taught you guys very well to pray when you go to bed at night. I said, do you guys pray And both of them said, yes, we do pray. Now, they said, it's not a formal prayer. I said, do you remember when prayer that we used to do? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And then God bless whoever. And I remember even as a teenager praying that and going through the litany of all of my family that had passed away, as well as those that are living. And that that certainly is a certainly a spiritual work of mercy.
1: It sure is, and, and and who among us doesn't want somebody praying for us, right? When our time comes to leave this world, we want others to be praying for our salvation, and uh, so that's uh, another reason we should should pray for those that have gone before us.
0: Right. So we've taken care of the spiritual works of mercy, and before this program ends, I want to go through quickly the corporal works of mercy, and there, again, are seven of those.
1: So uh, the difference again between the corporal and the spiritual works is, again, the spiritual works attend to the spiritual needs of our brothers and sisters, whereas the corporal works of mercy would attend to their bodily needs. So they focus more on the physical rather than the spiritual, kind of satisfying the basic needs of life. And again, there's a number of them. For example, feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, giving shelter to the homeless, visiting the sick visiting prisoners, and burying the dead. So those would be the, the what we call the corporal works of mercy, which attend to the physical needs of others.
0: And, you know, I think certainly our courageously living the gospel, our mutually shared vision here in the diocese, attends to those the spiritual ones, but certainly also to the corporal works of mercy as well.
1: Oh, it sure does. I mean, I just think about our goal of establishing affordable housing. That's, in essence, trying to give shelter to the homeless and also feeding them as well. So there's another corporal work of mercy, you know, at Pinellas Hope here in Pinellas County, which gives shelter to the homeless and other services. We just established or a blessed a new medical at health center there and in respite center to provide medical care to those who are homeless and, and the residents there. And also for those that are being released from the hospital, still in need of care, but have nowhere to go. So that's a, a great blessing. And, and that would be a corporal work of mercy.
0: Yeah, you can- and certainly for feeding the, the hungry, it's certainly volunteer your time at Pinellas Hope or many of the food banks. There's always someone outside of our church representing Saint Vince de Paul Society collecting food. Yeah,
1: those are all great ministries, great ways of of trying to satisfy the needs of others, their basic needs.
0: You can also keep a pack of crackers in your car if you pull up to an intersection. There's somebody there that's hungry. That's just another simple way, or a bottle of water again that will help give drink to the thirsty. That's the second one. And you mentioned shelter the homeless. We we at Pinellas hope now for me and you personally that might be a little more difficult, but you can certainly volunteer to help shelter the homeless and, and bring aid to them or make a donation to those charities that do.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, if you're not able to physically volunteer or to be there to help, certainly financial assistance and spiritual assistance, giving you know your prayers to those worthy ministries is also a very good thing to do.
0: One of the aspects, fourth one, is visiting the sick. That's difficult during this era of COVID. We can't just go to the hospital and volunteer. We've got to go through certain protocols, but you can visit by FaceTime by Zoom those different technologies that we have today.
1: Right, that's that's a great way to do it and, you know, to lift them up in prayer as well. But yeah, through FaceTime and other means that would not compromise our own health or well-being to be able to reach out and to, to visit them that way. So it's kind of a unusual time we're in right now, but under normal circumstances, most of our parishes would have ministries when they are able to visit nursing homes or you know different types of life facilities that they can go in in person and be there present for those who, who live there.
0: One of the tricky ones for people, and a little bit difficult and maybe uncomfortable, is visiting the imprisoned. A lot of people don't necessarily want to go to the jail But there are ministries in parishes that do have that, and you might be able to, I promise you again, if you volunteered for that, you'll grow in love and appreciation.
1: Yeah, you sure will. And again, we don't judge people for what they've done. We're there to to bring the love of Jesus Christ to them, and and hopefully for them to experience some type of conversion or growth in their relationship with the Lord while they're incarcerated. If you do have an interest in prison ministry, again, it's kind of difficult at the moment with COVID. But you do receive training for that, and you don't ever have to do anything that you're not comfortable with. I've my years as bishop have spent a good amount of time visiting prisons and administering the sacraments and hearing confessions, you know, to, uh, meeting with, with those who are incarcerated. And it's a very beautiful ministry and a very rewarding one. And I would just share with the listeners that in all of my visits, and I've been to even to death row at Florida State Prison, that, you know, I've never really felt unsafe there. You know, you have to be careful. You have to follow all the protocols. But to, to bring God's love to those people is important
0: as well. I, I'll promise you this, too, because I've been to the prisons. Uh, there's different ministries. Kairos is one that's involved in, in certain areas. But um, you'll grow in a great sense of mercy. You'll, you'll grow in that area. Uh, bury the dead. You could volunteer at the local funeral home. Uh, Calvary Catholic cemeteries here there's a, a great opportunity to serve in bereavement opportunities just to be there to help anything from park cars to to greet people as they come into the funeral home
1: again at that very critical moment of loss in people's lives to be present to them to pray for them maybe write them a note or write them a card be part of a bereavement ministry uh, again a physical thing we can do or is to maybe uh, cook a meal for somebody as well, for a family that that has lost somebody so they don't have to worry about that. Uh, And then, of course, you know, to be involved in a a bereavement ministry in a parish once that is able to happen.
0: And the last one is giving alms to the poor. Really, that's the overall arching scope of what we've discussed. There's, of course, the church has the Peter's Pence collection, and then there's CRS, different ways that we can contribute to Helping those less fortunate than ourselves. Yeah,
1: I mean parishes that have St. Vincent de Paul societies. They often will take up a collection or collect food. Also, you know, just uh, the poor box <laughs> that yeah. you see at most parishes that go for the the needs uh, at the parish level. So there are many opportunities to to give a donation to Catholic charities to Pinellas Hope, just here in our diocese, St. Vincent de Paul. All those are great ways to, um, to give alms and, and in that way uh, to perform a, a good act, a good corporal work of mercy.
0: So as we wrap up our program today, our time again together, Bishop, would you lead us in a prayer that helps us to be more aware and have the courage to live out these corporal and spiritual works of mercy?
1: Of course. Let us pray. God, our Father, we praise you and thank you for your many blessings. We desire to share those blessings with others both spiritually as well as bodily. So we ask that you may inspire us to have generous hearts as you have been generous with us. And in giving to those in need, we acknowledge and we know that we give to you. And give us the courage always to reach out when we're afraid or when we feel that we're not able to do something. Give us the courage that we lack in our lives. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more with Bishop Parks, including past programs, his social media accounts, and ways to subscribe to this podcast, visit dosp.org bishop. A View from the Top is a production of Spirit FM 90.5 and the Communications Office of the Catholic Diocese of St. Petersburg. A View from the Top is made possible by the annual Pastoral Appeal and listeners like you. Thank you for your support.